The Hope Project. On this podcast, we talk about matters of sex, sexuality, sexual shame, purity, and how that all relates to Jesus and God. We hope that through this podcast, you'd be able to recapture the beauty of sexuality. Journey with us as we seek to better understand sex and find freedom along the way. This podcast is a part of season one. And if you haven't yet listened to the trailer for season one, I recommend you do that now before listening to this podcast. This is part one of a two-part conversation with Eugene on sexual assault and consent. The next part of this episode is going to be coming out in a couple days, so be looking on your podcast platform for that to come out. Today on the podcast, we have Eugene joining us. We're going to be talking about sexual assault and consent and a lot of things that pertain to that. And so if you are a victim of that or a survivor of that, I would just encourage you to, to take some time to think about it if you want to listen to this episode. We might be triggering some things in you. We might be bringing some things up. Um, and if you haven't fully processed some of the aspects of your experience or some of the things that have happened to you, then maybe this isn't the best episode to listen to. Regardless, I leave that up to your discretion, um, and I really hope that this can bless you in, in what you are trying to do in your healing process. So let's dive on in. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast today. Uh, I'm sitting here with Eugene, um, and we are going to talk about sexual assault and violence and men and us and everything and a lot of things that all relate to that. Um, But before we get into that, uh, Eugene, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what you're doing now, where you came from, what brought you to this point? Yeah, I was actually a Christian minister for 12 years. Uh, I went to Dallas Seminary, got my THM there, um, so gave four good years of my life <laughs> to <laughs> to the school and um, overall pastored for 12 years and in very traditional um, evangelical churches, um, predominantly uh, Asian American churches mm-hmm. or more specifically um, the English ministry sides of, mm-hmm. of immigrant churches mm-hmm. and um, before that, I'd actually been a high school teacher for a bit, and I've kind of returned to that some now. After leaving my last church several years ago, um, I've been working mostly a lot of freelance and some with a nonprofit, a little bit of time with UC Irvine mm-hmm. in women's rights advocacy and mm-hmm. relationship and sexual violence prevention. And there's not a whole lot of like a ton of jobs in those fields. <laughs> so coming back to education yeah. now is you know, I do a lot of substitute teaching, mm-hmm. mostly high school. And uh, mm-hmm. I taught you know, summer school algebra two at Buena Park High School last summer. So I'm, I'm in the mix for just the, the education world again, trying to help pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a wife. We've been married for... 18 years 18 yeah 18 years and two girls uh, two daughters one's eighth grade one's fifth grade and um, they're part of a big part of what brings me to this conversation that we're having is because uh, having daughters really really rocked my world and Mm. made me start thinking about what it is for girls and women to grow up in this society and really pushing me to, they didn't push me, but having daughters pushed me to think about my own male privilege. Mm-hmm. And even beyond that, even Christian male privilege. Mm-hmm. And Which um, we're going to talk a little bit about that because yeah. a lot of people that are probably listening right now are like, well, <laughs> I don't know why I buy this Christian male privilege yeah. stuff. 
but we'll get into that a little later. Yeah, and that's been a part of my story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you have a blog. I write a blog called Feminist Asian Dad. <laughs> it's, um, um, it's, it's, you know, I, it's not like a hugely red blog, but it's, <laughs> it's um, a place where I've really gotten to put out a lot of things that have been on my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff about um, parenting, but not from a typical parenting standpoint. It's not mm-hmm. a day-to-day blow-by-blow, um, mm-hmm. you know, raising my, raising my kids. It's, it's more about what are the things that concern me about the world that we live in that affect me, my family, um, and including raising raising my girls yeah. in this world. And so, some blog posts have nothing don't don't say a thing about <laughs> um, about parenting. Frequently, though, uh, there'll be a theme that can be tied back to um, culture, gender, race, mm-hmm. and parenting you know girls in such a way that that they feel like they have all the opportunities in the world um, that they don't have to take you know a back seat to to boys and men mm-hmm. in anything that, mm-hmm. that God gives them every opportunity and right and, and space to to be who he's made them to be yeah that's beautiful so today we're talking about sexual assault and just kind of awareness about that and a lot of things that will branch off of that um, but I know there's Maybe some listening, but or even just in general cultural kind of things, we're right now saying like, well, is it really that prevalent? Um, is it really as prevalent as the media makes it out to be? And so, kind of, what would you say to someone who's kind of having those questions um, right now as they're listening? Yeah, I. There was a point in time that I was very much unaware and sometimes a bit skeptical, also, um, but. The CDC, the Centers for mm-hmm. Disease Control mm-hmm. and Prevention. So this is you know, official government statistics. They they say that 19 percent of American women, so just about one in five, uh, will experience rape in their lifetime. Wow. Um, and 44 percent of American women will experience some other kind of sexual violence in their lifetime as well. So that's you know, all all told. That's dozens of millions of yeah. of people and um you know, different statistics based on studies will break it down you know like just think of the people around you you know one out of every three or four it varies based on the study mm-hmm. um will will experience sexual violence in, in some way mm-hmm. um, but the official statistics from the cdc are 19 percent and 44 percent yeah so it's it's hugely prevalent it's a lot more prevalent than i thought it was until i became aware of of uh, how mm-hmm. extensive it is and it's uh, it's really i think a crisis that has been around so long that we don't feel mm-hmm. it's a crisis. We mm-hmm. don't feel its urgency, and especially I think in part because um, the statistics for men, while there are a lot of boys and men uh, who have experienced sexual violence, also mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. tons, mm-hmm. but for women the statistics are even more stark. So. Mm-hmm. My advocacy for women and girls doesn't mean to exclude folks who are boys, men, or who identify otherwise, gender 
from a gender standpoint. Um, but it's to because it's just very stark when it comes to mm-hmm. girls and women, just mm-hmm. how really I think a lot of folks will think I, I don't know any sexual assault survivors. Um, the reality is everybody does. They just don't know that mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. It's not something obviously everyone's going to use as an intro, like mm-hmm. an icebreaker at you know church group, you know, <laughs> yeah. like your name, yeah. your grade, what school you go to, what, what your major is, you mm-hmm. know, it, they're not going to put that information up front, but mm-hmm. everybody, because it's so prevalent, does know somebody who's experienced sexual violence. They mm-hmm. just don't know their story. Yeah. And even for some who would say that, oh, that's just, you know, someone's jacking up those numbers or those percentages. It's like, okay, well, even if it's one in 10, like, and not one in five, that's still a crazy oh, amount it, yeah, of people. It is. So even if it's not as, as much as what, you know, some may want to believe it is, it's okay. One in 10 is not any better. Or even one in 20, that's still <laughs> thousands to millions of yes. people in America. Yeah. Um, so it bothers me sometimes when it's like, well, those numbers are fudge. That's over exaggerating. It's like, well, even if it is, <laughs> like, yeah. it's that's still a, a yeah, really even, high number. Even you know, even if there's something method methodologically that is off with that. I mean, I I tend to cite the CDC because folks mm-hmm. might see that as a more neutral arbiter yeah. of yeah. it's it's not a nonprofit that works on mm-hmm. um, you know victim advocacy or survivor advocacy. Mm-hmm. So can we, we're going to focus probably a little bit more on women today, um, yeah. but we don't want to miss the men um, yeah. who are in this. And so can we, can we talk a little bit about the stigma that it's only women um, who are sexually assaulted or raped? Because I think the big thing, I mean, even to use like a, a crazy cultural example, like when you have a teacher sex scandal, um, yeah. and if you ever go on those like news sites and look at the comments, um, yeah. whenever it's like a, a female teacher and a young boy, all of the comments are like, wow, so good for that kid. And it, it's like utterly toxic. Yeah. Um, like, like good for him. Way to yeah, go, dude. Yeah. You're a man now. And, yeah. yeah. And so can we talk a little bit to that? Um, even though we're going to focus mostly on women, sure. um, let's, can we talk a little bit about the, the male stigma? It's, it's, um, there's the, the whole Stacy's mom trope from yeah. the song, yeah. whatever group sang it. And, and it's it's like you know somehow that's that's better and and less traumatic uh, researchers will say that that it's just as traumatic for boys and men as it is for girls and women mm-hmm. to experience sexual mm-hmm. violence um, i think some of the stigma comes from people just not believing that because of the biological you know, functions of it all that that men could be raped by a woman um but the research talks about situations where boys and men are forced to penetrate Mm -hmm. uh, a woman Mm -hmm. and uh, whether that's the woman who's the predator or even if there's a group of people that are forcing somebody Mm -hmm. to have sex with a woman who Mm -hmm. you know she may not be given consent either Mm -hmm. but um Mm -hmm. there's a sexual assault involved because he he's not consenting to it, but he's being forced to, you know, mm-hmm. in some way. Um, because society tends to not worry about men experiencing sexual violence as much in that way, especially if the if the predator is a woman, then um, 
it becomes harder for men to report that mm-hmm. um, uh, or they might even themselves chalk it up to well that was just sex gone wrong mm-hmm. um, almost minimizing it yeah yeah and in in, tr- in reality I if I remember correctly uh, the research bears out that the primary group of folks that commit sexual violence against men are men mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so um, that has its own stigma because then a lot of a lot of folks feel like well you know I don't want to talk about that because that's not only talking about me uh, being assaulted and that feels horrific enough mm-hmm. but then there's another dimension of well then people are going to wonder about me or if they do identify, if they do identify as queer or gay that mm-hmm. that then then my story will be more out there and mm-hmm. I don't want people to know and, mm-hmm. and so it becomes even more difficult to to, yeah. to talk about so there's there are huge barriers for um, male victims of sexual assault to to even come forward and knowing that societies tends to be wired in the in the in a way that says you know it's even more shameful for men and boys to experience sexual violence then it's like well do i trust the police or do i trust you know anybody to receive my story and take me seriously and to believe mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. I know a few men who have been sexually assaulted, um, and most of it's when they were kind of younger, younger children. Um, and one of the big things I think they have to fight is that culture tells us that men love sex, um, and that they love sex so much more than women and they're very sexual beings. And so when you have to come to grips with the fact that you, especially with maybe a female perpetrator, um, that you you know, we're forced to have sex with someone or do a sexual act with someone that you didn't want to, it almost feels wrong because society is telling you you should want that. That mm. should be a good thing. Even if you yeah. were too young or even if it wasn't exactly in the right ideal situation. And so it almost creates this even uh, this identity piece of masculinity where it's like, I feel like I was abused and assaulted, yeah. but everyone's telling me that that should be like a good introduction to sex yeah. and my masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. I agree that, um, the expectation really sets out the path for um, the dissonance between mm-hmm. what you see in media or what you hear other other people say and what you're experiencing in terms of you know there was something off about this and and part of the confusion too especially when when victims are younger is that even if they felt like they were willing participants mm-hmm. um, say, mm-hmm. that um, being underage inherently means that you are not able to consent mm-hmm. to sex with an adult mm-hmm. um, because even if you felt like you were willing you were being taken advantage of mm-hmm. you were being even if you don't realize it manipulated mm-hmm. um there's not and there's not a relationship of equals no matter what the predator or the perpetrator told you that um, that you were still being used and mm-hmm. so that becomes part of the confusion as well mm-hmm. that um, well no we shouldn't you know report this person I love this person mm-hmm. and this person was looking out for me and and um, you know t- whether it was 
you know, a neighbor or a family relative or, or whatever. It's mm-hmm. and that adds to the confusion of yeah. You know, I I feel I feel like I have romantic feelings for this person uh, who's 10, 15 years older, twenty years older, whatever. And but they were in actuality taking advantage of yeah. the person's youth. Yeah. And and so that becomes part of the confusion and and another barrier to really talking about it and coming to terms with with um, just what they've been through and yeah. uh, and that they have been victimized and there is going to be trauma that they have to work through. I think we don't realize how much power plays into sexual assault um and especially when you look at children it's like someone older they normally with children it's it's a beautiful thing they immediately trust them and think the best of them. Yeah. But then you can use that and absolutely kind of use it to your own selfish, sinful, terrible, abusive desire. Um, yeah. And we, I don't think we've really kind of fully grasped that as a culture yet. We have the age of consent, yeah. but we still haven't. It's not burrowed on our hearts yet that these kids, even though they're saying, I love this person, or it was a consensual thing, or I wanted to do that, if fundamentally they just can't. In their minds, yes, it seems like that. But in the psychology of it, it's it's not consent. Right. Um, it's, it's not a, a willing, mutual, equal kind of this kind of mutuality trust it's a someone's trusting a higher up yes so they, they don't think there's anything wrong with it because they trust the higher ups moral discretion yeah that what the higher up is deciding to do with me right now is okay yeah and the sophistication that adults have over over you know even teenagers oh, yeah. is um you know the ability to 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 not see the manipulation that's happening um you know, so when some even a 20, 23 year old preying upon a 14 year old, mm-hmm. um, you know, it all can be sort of believable that, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll, we can go ahead and have sex now and, and we'll wait to tell anybody till you're of, of age and they just won't understand. So we'll keep mm-hmm. it a secret for now. Mm-hmm. I mean, all that just really reeks of, of manipulation and, um, and using um, from mm-hmm. a power standpoint, and there's a mm-hmm. reason why uh, statutory rape is is defined the way it is in terms of the number of years. I think it's three uh, years. Um, I could be wrong about that, but it's just between folks who are older and folks who are younger that mm-hmm. uh, that that becomes a, um, a huge thing that I think you know psychology folks can can speak to this better than I can, but that's that's a real part of mm-hmm. of um, what sucks in um, victims into seeming like they're more willing participants. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk on power a little bit later. Um, okay. But yeah, we, we'll get into that a little later because I want to touch on even once adults are in power and how that works out. But before we get there, um, I think it'd be helpful if you could just kind of define what is sexual assault because um, even as you were talking about boys and men and how often it's hard to, for them to figure out okay is this sexual assault or is this not because I think we view sexual assault as it has to be this forceful act um, yeah. but I know that's that's not what sexual assault is it can be that um, yeah. but what what exactly is sexual assault yeah and sexual I, violence in general I mean sexual assault is can involve um, physical violence, mm-hmm. and but it's um, it's a very it's a lot 
more broad, like you said, it's a lot more broad than that. It um, sexual assault is often thought of as something that something you you worry about because you're walking down a dark alley and there might be somebody that jumps out from behind the, mm-hmm. the bushes and and those that happens a lot. There's mm-hmm. a lot of that in terms of rape and sexual violence. Um, most of the time, somebody who's um, the victim is somebody who they know the person who did it to them. Hmm. It could be an acquaintance. It could be somebody in the family. It could be, um, it could even be somebody that they're, they're in relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um, that it could be a boyfriend, and and it could be simply that even if they have been having a sexual relationship, mm-hmm. that um, if say for instance and we'll use female pronoun here if she the if she, the gal didn't want it on that particular day or night but he still forced himself on her and and used his sweet talking and mm-hmm. and, and you know just kept going and wouldn't stop that that uh, that's sexual violence also mm-hmm. and i think the word consent is used more frequently these days and it's it's for a good reason because um it if a person is not wanting to even if they have done it before that that's that's still sexual violence it's um it's violating somebody's boundaries it's doing to something to somebody that that they didn't they didn't wish to receive in that mm-hmm. moment um and sexual violence can take all kinds of forms it's mm-hmm. um it could be rape or attempted rape it could be um you know, grabbing, fondling, uh, mm-hmm. touching it. So frequently, um, women have experienced um, just some dude, seemingly random dude, rubbing up against them in the mm-hmm. train, on the bus, mm-hmm. um, and kind of grinding against them. And and then maybe the woman feels like he's kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Um, after a minute or so or whatever and it's like ooh, and that's sexual violence too um mm-hmm. there's um it doesn't even have to involve physical touching um the phenomenon of upskirting and hmm. where this is you know happens frequently too where somebody is uh, you know Again, let's take public a public space for mm-hmm. instance, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of people standing and waiting, and and maybe there's some somebody with a with a camera phone, kind of taking pictures and mm-hmm. getting a good angle underneath somebody's uh, mm-hmm. dress or skirt, mm-hmm. and, and then that's that's sexually violating also. Yeah, um, it's and no physical contact has to have mm-hmm. even occurred. Um, there's um, there's a category of sexual violence, sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. And and um, that could be um, doesn't have to involve touching either. It could involve a lot of words. It could involve mm-hmm. um, just um, even elements of stalking, mm-hmm. uh, where um, the perpetrator lets the their victim know I am around and you have to deal with me. And and if you know what's good for you, then hey, you know you'll. 
you'll let me have physical sex with you also mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or that you'll send me naked pictures yeah. of yourself and which i think is an important aspect that sexual harassment or sexual assault can happen even if you're not in the same physical space as someone yeah. with technology and social media it can happen just on your smartphone yeah and there's all kinds of situations that people are tricked into sending naked photos of themselves mm-hmm. you know to somebody else that they meet online and I know it sounds, you know, to us, if if you're not in that situation, it sounds like, oh, why would anybody do that? And that's foolish. Mm -hmm. And yes, we who are not in that relationship feel like it's foolish. But Mm -hmm. um, some folks, for whatever reasons, get drawn into these relationships. And um, and there are people out there who are doing it just for the purpose of getting, you Mm -hmm. know, incriminating photos, embarrassing photos, and then using it for extortion and there's yeah. sexual violence in that as well well yeah it's uh, i mean it's crazy i don't know i mean i'm sure you heard the term revenge porn yeah um yeah but even that that name bothers me because it it almost makes it seem like that it's the woman is deserving of because it's a revenge porn yeah. it's like the guy's getting revenge on her by posting her nude photos online that, that's that's not revenge even if she broke up with you or yeah she didn't want to hang out with you it's like that's not right. Like no. that's it's not justified, and uh, yeah, it bothers me that it's it's even we title it. Oh yeah, revenge porn. It's like no, yeah, that's sexual assault porn. That's yeah. like uh, unsolicited. You're putting stuff online that you don't have the right to. Um, yeah, it just bothers me. Even if you know she gave those photos to you before freely, and you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's because it's not. Um, She's not consenting to you putting them on the internet for others yeah. to see. Yeah. Um, again, that's it's the idea of consent, which I'm sure people are tired of hearing the word consent because it's a very buzzword now. But it's it's a good word and it's so important. It is, and it, I think it's it's difficult for Christian groups to talk about consent mm-hmm. because if we talk about consent, say if we're in a group of unmarried singles who are in their 20s or a youth group say you know mm-hmm. um then talking about consent does does that mean we're assuming that they're having sex before marriage or outside of marriage mm-hmm. and so that becomes something that i think christian groups become even more afraid to to enter into that conversation when they still need to enter into that conversation mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be that you know your your junior hires need to be talking about consenting to sex you know regardless of whether they've been drinking or not that may be a subject that Mm -hmm. a a youth group might want to reserve for you know the high schoolers or college or whatever but it's just the just a simple discussion about hey you know this everything in a relationship that you want to do with this person that you that you have feelings for and that has to be, you know, really okay with them, and they have to mm-hmm. really want to want to meet you in that space. Mm-hmm. Even something as simple as holding hands, even something as simple as kissing, mm-hmm. uh, that needs to be something they're they're okay, the other the other person is is, is cool with and and uh, is willing to do too. And um, so I think consent has to be something that's broached by mm-hmm. um, by Christian groups as well, even though. You know, it, we want to think that our our youth group kids or our college group that sex before marriage or outside of marriage or heavy petting or that that's not happening, but it is happening. And it's going to mm-hmm. be happening and not talking about it is not going to make the problem go away. 
um, it's going to lead to negative consequences for mm-hmm. uh, all these folks and boys who, some who know what they're doing, but some boys who don't know better in a way because of what they've been exposed to in media. And I mean, really internally we should know better, but because of how they've been socialized to be aggressive and to want mm-hmm. to at least get to first base with the girl yeah, um, that they're going to be going on this track because they think that's okay. And maybe they've seen that um, in movies or that's a social expectation. You have girls who feel like, well, they, they need to give, sexually to to get the romance to get mm-hmm. the commitment and mm-hmm. and the, we're not doing anything really wrong it's it's mm-hmm. you know we're not having sex sex it he just wants to do oral or something mm-hmm. like that and mm-hmm. and um and so it, it doesn't help youth groups to to not enter into that conversational yeah. space too i can remember when i was growing up i think it was my sophomore year of high school um, I hadn't kissed anyone yet, uh, but I grew up in a very uh, Mormon-oriented <laughs> okay. culture, which, like in Mormon culture, kissing is a big deal. Um, okay. They're all kissing each other at all times. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> okay. um, but anyway, so I remember sophomore year, I hadn't kissed anyone because I was a good little Christian boy and wanted to save you know, my first kiss or whatever for the right person. Yeah. Um, but there was one night where there was a group of us hanging out, and they all knew I hadn't kissed anyone. And they almost, they basically forced this girl to kiss me Mm. um like she wanted to but i didn't want to Mm. and i remember you know after it happened and it's called rape kissing in uh, the culture which disgusts me now as i think about it um but it was it was like a normal thing where you'd like steal a kiss from someone um but i remember having that first kiss and i was just like I felt like so much shame about it because i felt like man i didn't want this i was kind of robbed of this special experience um and luckily um, as I really reflected back on it and once I got a little bit older and started dating a girl and actually had a consenting kiss then, yeah. I considered that my first kiss. So I'm glad I had the like the wherewithal to know like, okay, that wasn't that didn't count. Like yeah. that was stolen from me, so that didn't really count. But yeah. it's even in the kissing that I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, maybe it's not as disturbing or as damaging as other things, but it's still like unwanted sexual romantic advance yeah um that you didn't ask for and you can can consent to but in high school that's like i mean that's probably the least of the things but that's still happening where it's just like a forced kiss or a coerced kiss where you're really beating someone down with your words and wooing them and all these things to get a kiss and it's mostly male perpetrators like i think i was a rare example of a of a girl kind of quote-unquote rape kissing me yeah um but yeah I can feel even like in the smallest scale, like it was just a kiss, but it, I felt so infringed upon yeah. um, in like my being and yeah. who I was. And th- there's something, there's something really, really true and powerful about that, that there's something internally for you felt like, you know, this was, this was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and that's, and uh, commonly for people who experience abuse or assault that that may not fit a stereotypical definition that maybe there wasn't physical violence involved mm-hmm. per se that and they feel like something's off about this mm-hmm. and, and there's something i i tend to feel like that there's something that god has put within us that that is aware of boundaries to some degree and mm-hmm. and what we want and and who we are and 
I mean, psychologically, maybe that's more described in terms of ego or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, it's there's a, there's something I think that God puts in us to to kind of give us some sort of sense of you know there's something about this that wasn't wasn't mm-hmm. right and and yeah that that is sexual violence mm-hmm. what she did and mm-hmm. what the group um, encouraged her to mm-hmm. do and. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it probably wasn't even something that she really wanted to do. She just wanted the respect and admiration of these people that were telling her to do it. Mm. And I can even think, I mean, with my girlfriend in high school, of like there were probably definitely times where I used my words to get us to make out or yeah. to, to cuddle more when she wasn't in the mood or wanting to. And so in a sense, like unknowingly, unconsciously, I just thought this was how you do it. Like when yeah. she says no at first, you just work her down because really she wants to say yes. But yeah culturally she wants to say no and it's this thought that most men have especially in high school mm-hmm. um and it leaks into college i think they get out of it as they get a little older hopefully um but it's like well yeah she said no at first she didn't want to kiss or make out but like we just sat there and talked a little bit longer and eventually she gave in yeah and that's like supposed to be a good thing mm. um and no one stops to like wonder like oh maybe i should have honored her first no yeah um and even like christian couples i know in college like it's normally like one of them says no when the other tries to do a sexual advance, but they know eventually deep down they want to do it because it's the sexual desire and urge. Yeah. And maybe it's not full on violence, sexual violence, but it's still very unwanted. Like, yeah. Um, it's, and it's not it's not at all loving. I mean, yeah. if if if, if you know, as Christians, our highest ethic is is love, call it agape, call it whatever. It, it's mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's it's not at all um, putting somebody else before before you and mm-hmm. um, and so this idea of you know girls are just playing hard to get or mm-hmm. more recently you know Robin Thicke with blurred lines and just even you know you want it yeah um, you know it's 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 um, there's something really dangerous about that kind of that kind of thing. Do couples sometimes have a moment where only one of them is in the mood, whether that's to cuddle or kiss or have sex? Is is are there times when then eventually that person does want to enter mm-hmm. into that? Yeah, that does happen. Or they choose uh, to like they're willingly consenting, like I don't want this, but to sacrifice and submit myself to you, like I will, in in a loving way, in the in the First Corinthians seven kind of way of like kind of giving your body up for the other but that should never be necessarily maybe the ideal i mean it, it's frequently couples um because sex drives are often not yeah not, not um, synced up or not, not synced the same up level. That, that it you know sometimes one partner will say let's have a quickie because you're you're not feeling it right now but hey i i would love to uh, have a quickie right mm-hmm. now and that's that's something that's okay that's mm-hmm. something that's mm-hmm. if it's consenting in that relationship mm-hmm. and that's something that happens often you know mm-hmm. for, for couples that yeah um but for a person to to really press somebody um in a way that really crosses over what they want to do mm-hmm. and um that's that's not really honoring their desires and where they're mm-hmm. at. And, mm-hmm. uh, it tends to, tends to be, uh, there can be situations where it feels like there's a fine line. Um, but one question that I want for 
folks to, to, to really wrestle with is, hey, is, is this really about just me or is it really about both of us? And mm-hmm. I, again, mm-hmm. coming back to the, what we're called to as, as followers of Jesus, that um, this, everything that we're about should be about not just my own interests, but also looking out for the interests of others. And, and um, so in romantic relationships, in friend relationships, whatever, that, that we can't just be thinking about what's good for us um, and mm-hmm. getting what, what we want, no matter how, you know, amorous or horny or whatever that, mm-hmm. that they feel that mm-hmm. uh, if, you know, no means no. And, mm-hmm. and um, um, no doesn't mean like later. Yes. <laughs> it, and, and there's cases maybe sometimes where it's like not right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if she's saying no, or he's saying no, like, I just don't want to do this. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be like a trigger for you to be like, okay, then I just need to push a little bit harder to get yeah. into the yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and yes, now doesn't mean always yes later. <laughs> right. It, yeah. I mean, cause that, that that happens a lot of times when a woman say will report um, uh, you know my boyfriend raped me and so oftentimes people receiving that would be like what mm-hmm. um, or even the concept of marital rape mm-hmm. where um, one spouse typically uh, a husband forces even physically a wife to to have sex with him um, you know, the, a lot of times folks are like, what? You know, that that doesn't sound like... In North Carolina, there's... I mean, there's a lot of hubbub a few months ago because in North Carolina... I mean, it's reported that in North Carolina that the law did not permit a woman to... After she had given consent, to withdraw that consent. Hmm. Um, and I believe it was North Carolina. This was a few months ago that this was in the news. And, and um, it's like, well, no, even within the space of a relationship yeah. that is already there it doesn't mean that you know yes now doesn't mean yes for all time in any way and fashion that you want or even uh, yes it doesn't mean yes in five minutes like yes, if that's you start having a sexual encounter with your husband or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever and you they say yes at first but then five minutes later we're changing positions or doing something that they're not comfortable yeah. with or they just have a thought that's you know makes them want to stop sure like that doesn't mean that you can keep going. Yeah. Like, yes doesn't mean yes for tomorrow, but it also yeah. doesn't mean yes for five minutes from now. And it doesn't give the, you know, the partner who still wants to keep going, doesn't give that partner the right to get all pissy and mad. Yeah, about, guilt trip. Yeah, like, you're leaving me hanging here. And it's, that's, sex is such a, it's one of the most powerful things that God has created. And mm-hmm. so, um, that's something we have to it's there's there's so much power and emotion and sensation and feeling in it and it's also something that's very sensitive to so many different factors and so whether whether it's a person who you know in that moment is triggered and remembers something bad that happened to them if they were abused when they were younger or whatever and that's the reason they want to stop or simply there's something that happens that just turns them off for any reason that they have no idea what it is mm-hmm. um, that that's that means it's time to call it quits and to hey let's let's reconnect in a different way mm-hmm. and um, let's really respect each other and, and again back to the Christian ethic of love mm-hmm. and, and um, you know it, it's I mean sexual assault 
at its core is really about self-centeredness. It's about power. Yeah, that's another, mm-hmm. you know part of it. But it's there's a very self-centeredness and a very um, objectifying um, view that 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 we're taking of the other person when we when mm-hmm. we try to violate their boundaries or or mm-hmm. beat them down. Maybe mm-hmm. not you know, literally, but you know. Mm-hmm. Whether you know, cause their defenses to to fall away by just persistent, you know, yeah, beat them down with that. Yeah, and to play devil's advocate, you have people now that are like, okay, well, but using all this consent talk isn't sexy. Like it isn't romantic, and it's like I can't, you know, while having sex with my wife or a girlfriend or boyfriend, like every five minutes, be like, well, do you still want to do this? Do you still want? Like it ruins the moment. And I think there is some truth to that in some regard. That's not maybe how it plays out. But, I mean, a casual conversation, go like, hey, do you want to have sex tonight? Yes. Okay, hey, can we switch to this position? Yes. Hey, do you want to do this now? It's like that doesn't ruin no. the sexiness of it. Yeah. It's still possible to have consent conversations. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to, like, every five seconds being like, do you still want to do this? Do you still want to do this? But you want to create almost a presence, a culture, an atmosphere with you and your spouse or you with your partner where it's like, you know that either of you have the comfortability to say, I don't want to do this anymore at any given time. Yeah. So maybe it's not even that you have to check in every five seconds, but you have to make each other comfortable enough where it's like, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. No, there's, there's, um, one of my favorite TV shows is Marvel's cloak and dagger, uh, which is based (laughs) on a comic and it's, it's not a, it's not a heavily watched show. Um, it's, but it's one of the, you know, it's in the, it's one of those Marvel TV shows, and it's about you know mostly the life of teenagers. And there's so much about it that's so well done. But one of the things that they depict in its two seasons is different examples of relationships that involve they show consent and they show lack of consent um, in different ways. And one there's one scene where um, they, a boy and a girl and they're in, totally interested in each other and. Um, they're starting to kiss. This is, you know, in maybe it was the the photo room or the photo lab at school, and and um, they're kissing and they seem to be joining. And then she suddenly kind of pulls away a bit and starts giggling and laughing, and and he's like, okay, you know, is um, it you you okay with this? And and she just says green light, and the, and they go right back to it, and and there's nothing about that that seemed like oh you know they broke the mood or yeah. he was checking in with her cuz he wasn't sure why she was reacting that way yeah. and he wanted to be sure that that she was cool with what they were doing and and i thought you know that's a great example of just something that you know it's not it's not like okay we're going to stop and we're going <laughs> to let's go know, through the formula yes and, I mean, yeah. we're going to define consent again and match up your feeling to yeah to the you know four point definition or whatever mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. of consent has to be i um i mean i think intimacy um if, if sex is really designed for for intimacy that's not just physical but spiritual and emotional then, then that becomes a space where over time people become more and more able to to have these cues within mm-hmm. you know a sexual experience with with a partner of you know, is this okay? Is this cool? Let's do this. No, mm-hmm. okay, let's not do that. And, yeah. Um, or is and it... by them and by them saying, I don't want to do this, or I don't want to do this anymore. I know for guys, especially, a lot of times it feels like rejection, yeah. and that leads to them often guilt tripping or pushing past the boundaries. But it's like, 
okay, just because that may feel like rejection, and there is an aspect of that where may feels like they're turning away from you, and that feels like there's this very intimate space, and now they're kind of turning away. It's still like you have to deal with that on your own time, uh, yeah. maybe with them outside of that context. Like it's okay to feel hurt. It's okay to feel, maybe feel rejected, but that doesn't mean you have the right now to yeah. fix that rejection by forcing intimacy. Yeah, and, and that that's that's a very male thing is is to men I think are very insecure about our sexual. Mm-hmm ability or lack thereof in part because the media has you know media presentations make it out to be oh men are supposed to become awesome lovers awesome from the standpoint of of not only are they romantic and you know, go to great lengths to to mm-hmm. woo a girl but but also in bed they can satisfy their woman mm-hmm. and give them the best sex they've ever had mm-hmm. and and always know the right place to touch them in the mm-hmm. right way, you know, mm-hmm. in right manner. And if they're not, then there's something wrong with with the man that yeah. somehow they're failing or deficient mm-hmm. as as a lover, and they're less masculine. And, um, and I think that's true for women as well. I think they feel okay. that same that same pressure, pressure of to, like I have to become a sex goddess for my husband mm-hmm. right now. And when I fail, to, I think that's where the the woman may not want to do something. The man feels rejected and maybe starts to guilt trip, and then she gives in because she wants to. She knows the cultural narrative: I have to appease and satisfy mm-hmm. my husband. So they're both fighting the insecurity. Okay, um, I think in the relationship of like the man is the aggressive one and the woman's the one that's more pulling back, but they both end up giving in to an unhealthy sexual encounter yeah. because of the the stigma of the culture. Yeah, and the consequences that result from from yeah. an unhealthy sexual encounter. And it, it may not be something that necessarily um, means that they have to break up or that it just completely shatters all the trust, although that frequently happens. But mm-hmm. you know, when they're feel, people are feeling uncomfortable after a sexual encounter or an experience, then that's, that's something that um, there's something that has to be dealt with, mm-hmm. um, even if it's just, you know, like you said, a person sort of on their own time. Um, to you know, to 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 work through. Well, what was this about? Why did I feel that way? And what does yeah. that mean uh, about about me? As opposed to trying to fix that feeling of of hurt and temporary re- fix that feeling of rejection by by pushing through and, and mm-hmm. you know, make, making uh, making up for well, for what feels like a moment of, of failure. We hope that Eugene's words today blessed you, gave you a hope for your life, and gave you encouragement in your journey. And above all, we ask that the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound with hope.